0: You're listening to the BrideChilla Podcast, helping bride and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. Alicia's a comedian who once had a DIY overload sewing 60 matching polka dot napkins for her wedding. You are correct, Carly, my lovely voiceover lady. I did create uh, my own Well, our own wedding napkins because we had a theme and I had to team with the theme and the theme was polka dots and could I find polka dot napkins that are reasonably priced you know, a price point. No, I couldn't. So I had to make my own, which was a big endeavor. I did talk about it actually uh, on a couple of podcasts ago with Jen from Something Turquoise, the wonderful DIY blog. I said to her, I spent a weekend, it was Easter weekend, and I'd saved up Dexter to binge watch. And I basically sat on our lounge room floor cutting these square napkin templates and uh, put them together now if Martha Stewart were to inspect these (laughs) napkins she'd be horrified she would I'm a self-taught sewer there's nothing really I mean I did do sewing I don't know this seems a little archaic now and I'm not too old I I don't want you to think I'm ancient but we did sewing at school do they still teach sewing at school I don't know. It was when the boys would all go, oh, I don't want to do sewing. And then they would always end up being quite good. And the girls would dick around. I don't know if it was the same for you at school. But I do remember being sat in front of the sewing machine, just not wanting to do it. And a lot of the guys in my class. And I went to a fairly rough, like, alpha male school. And totally true, half of the guys in my year are in jail or grandparents now, no judgment. But they all embraced the sewing. I think it was the practical skills, it was the craft. They like to get their hands into it, stop them from committing crimes for 10 minutes. Yeah, that's probably another story, my high school years. But anyway... It's great to create something and also they were a real highlight of the table. They were bright yellow and white and I was so delighted by the project in the end. But I did we got married in June and I did this in April so I had plenty of time to freak out if they weren't going to work and they weren't a big deal. I just really liked doing craft. So for me, it was exciting. Now, knowing what I know, I probably would have just bought them from Etsy. Would I? Yes, I probably would have, maybe. Oh gosh, I can't decide. I really enjoyed making things. Anyway, getting to the point of today's show, I have labeled it 11 ways to declone your wedding. And I use the term clone because, as we've talked about lots before, we are seeing a lot of cookie-cutter weddings. And that's no disrespect to anyone that's that's making one of these weddings. But I think the whole point of going on Pinterest and listening to this podcast is that you want to create a wedding day that's memorable to you and your guests for the reason that it is individual and unique. Now, by all means, we all have to go through certain procedures of the day, on the day, to make things work. For example, you have to have some sort of ceremony. Someone has to stand up there if you want a legally binding agreement or sort of civil agreement happening here. You need someone to stand up with two witnesses to make that happen. That's just the law. It's what you do. But there's no rules in how your day runs after that. You can do whatever you like. You could have a wedding with 5,000 people in a stadium or two people in a hotel room overlooking some magnificent place like Central Park or Sydney Opera House, the the harbour. I've been in some fantastic hotel rooms where I've looked out at the view and thought, gee whiz, that would be an amazing view to get married in front of. And yes, per night they may seem quite expensive, but if you're not planning a big wedding and you only want to have three or four people and you can hire a hotel suite for 500 bucks a night or pounds or whatever currency we're talking about now, then maybe that's a good option for you. That isn't part of my 11 ways to clone. That was a freebie I just came up with on the spot. I mean, pin a medal on me. I'm pretty happy. Enough self-congratulation. Let's get to the list. As I said, this episode is titled 11 ways to declone your wedding. When I think of clones, I think of Attack of the Clones, the second ill-fated reboot Star Wars film. I didn't enjoy it. I'm going to be honest with you. It has nothing to do with this episode. Just want to say it. Just want to say it. This list is in no particular order. Number one, the first way I would suggest to declone a wedding is create a surprise wedding. Have you considered doing this? A lot of people would go, no way, Alicia, forget it. But, but I actually have three friends that have done this very thing and have really pulled off an amazing evening and have had no trouble, no expectations to fulfill because no one knew it was coming. And they also didn't have any sort of pre-wedding panic, again, because there was no one really around going, what are you doing, what are you doing, what are you doing, what are you doing, what are you doing? Are you doing? And then they also had more in a sort of inexpensive situations because they uh, two of my friends got married in, in you know a very nice upper class, I shouldn't have said upper class, that makes it, when you say things are classy, it's not. They got married in quite high-end bars that were converted to a wedding venue, and people thought they were going to engagement parties elaborate engagement parties. They were both themed, but people weren't expecting it. They genuinely were not ready for this celebrant to come out and marry these two wonderful people. And in the long run, it cut out the fuss and the hullabaloo that surrounds weddings that a lot of brides and grooms are really fearful of or just don't want to have a part of. So, you know, that it might not be your bag at all. You might be relishing the planning process and telling all your friends every detail about everything and making six or 12 months of planning, you know, into an activity in your life. But if that doesn't float your boat, perhaps consider the surprise wedding. Also, having been to one of these weddings, it's <laughs> really emotionally overwhelming when you realize that you are going there to watch a wedding, watch people get married. And yes, the cons, the pros and cons of these situations are as couples planning them, it's hard to convince people to travel for an engagement party without telling them, hey, if you don't come you're going to miss out on the wedding. This is actually the wedding. So it's the way you go about planning. This can be tricky. There's lots of great resources online that can give you some careful wording, I suppose is the best way to say it, to try and communicate to people the importance of them being there. And uh, I will link to some of these in the show blog this week as well, if you are considering doing that. So that is number one, the surprise wedding. Number two, for me, music at a wedding is really important. If there is a possibility that I'm going to be able to kick off my shoes and dance, I'm dancing and I'm dancing until that DJ packs up the CD player or the MP3 player or the record player. I am there until the very last song. I don't know about you, but if if, if the dance floor doesn't happen, if the vibe isn't there, I get really upset. That's just my expectations of partying and having a good time. And one way to really get people involved, perhaps you haven't got a huge dancing community. I don't know who these people are. They need help, but perhaps they need encouragement. One way to do it is to make sure you play music that they love. Now, how do you do that? One way I have been particularly delighted in seeing people on Pinterest and a lot of wedding blogs lately is... On the back of your RSVP card that you are going to possibly be asking your guests to send back or email back if you're having an e-invite, asking them to include their favorite song to dance to. And I can tell you this is such a successful move because everyone, you know, if you have that song, that song that you know, I am going to shake my booty to that song, you will run literally, especially after a couple of drinks, you will run pushing past all the guests to get to the dance floor to just rock out in your very special way. Now, here's an example. Our lovely friend, Bunny, he is a big fan. And he's probably going to kill me for saying this. But one of my favorite memories of all social functions with Bunny is for some reason, for years and years and years, if the Madonna song Ray of Light comes on, it's our cue to dance. It was started as Bunny's song. But then after going to all these weddings, it became my personal mission to get the DJ to play Ray of Light, so we would all jump up and dance together. Some of my happiest memories of my whole life have been dancing to that song. So it is one of those things that if you can actually make sure that people's favourite songs are going to be played, and sure, you can go through, if they're asking for Megadeth or something, you know, veto it. But if it's something that goes with the theme... And you are looking to personalize it a bit more, go for it. Use these use these instructions. Because the other decision and the other mistake that people make when they're doing DJ selections is a lot of DJs will go, Hey, send me a song list. And then you get to the day before the wedding and you're like, Jesus Christ, I have not done the song list. I'll just say to the guy or the girl, you pick the songs. Now Maybe you've got a really cool DJ that just totally gets what you like, but there is nothing more annoying than getting up and going, I don't really like this song. And you can't really skip the songs when you're on the dance floor of your own wedding. You can, I suppose, but who has the time? So if you're in control a little bit more, it takes the heat off you having to pick a thousand songs or something crazy. And uh, that's too many, but it's a great way to personalize and take the heat off you. Number three. I saw this one on weddingparty.com and I thought it was a great idea. And it's it's a little quirky in a way. It's a confetti bar. Now, bear with me. This sounds crazy. But before the wedding ceremony, you can have a little table set up where people can mix their own confetti. Now, I know confetti is a very contentious issue. Yes, there's wars in the world, but we're talking about confetti. It's very, very important. Disappointing in a way because confetti a lot of the time is banned at certain wedding reception venues because the people that own the venue do not want to clean it up. I totally understand that confetti can be really annoying, but also it's pretty and it looks great in photographs. So, the idea of the confetti station is that you can have uh, maybe two or three different coloured confetti things, maybe have a nice little cone, a paper cone that you can put the confetti in for people to mix it up, have a chat. I think a bar or somewhere like that is a nice place for people to get to know someone else. Break the ice, perhaps for the guests, mix the confetti and then chuck it all over you at the end of the day. In the olden days, people used to throw rice at people, not cooked, raw rice, obviously, but uh, you're not allowed to do that anymore because birds eat it and it blows up their tummies and that's bad. So we don't, we don't do rice the other thing is if you can't have the confetti a nice little idea is to give everyone those mini bubble blower you know those little plastic bubble blower containers that you have the kids have and you can cover the outside with washi tape or perhaps put a little monogram I don't know make make a little label yourself don't spend too much time on it. It's just a bubble blower, but it's a lovely way. The photographs, the bubble photographs that I've seen online are so lovely. As the couple walks back through the, down the aisle through the church or outside, you can get the guests to blow bubbles, and there's this lovely photo with the bubbles. It's pretty. It, it doesn't mean anything. It's just pretty. I'm not going to try and attach meaning to it because, well, you know, you go on Pinterest and someone would have written some sort of, I don't know, rhyme about it. But really, I just think it looks pretty. Number four, find a way to collect words of wisdom from your guests because it's not very often that you gather all of your friends and family in one place and celebrate Something as significant as a wedding day. Something as significant as committing yourself to another person. We've all been through many life's ups and downs. We've all learned from things. Hopefully, we've learned. That's part of life, isn't it? And what better way to learn from other people than to ask them to write a couple of lines about what they've learned or what they would advise or how to stop a fight or what their guaranteed meal they would cook to get laid quote, I don't know, something crazy, but it is a really good way to say, hey, friends and family, we care what you think. And also to look back on these quotes in one year, 50 years time is a way to connect with those people and also remember who was there. Because as we've said before, I've said before in the guest list episode and various other podcast episodes, sometimes you might not be friends with these people down the track. Unfortunately, people die. This is reality of life. People come and go from your life and to have that moment, to share that moment other than photographs, it might be really nice. There are lots of ways to do this, but one idea I think is particularly nice is you can ask them to do it on the back of a seating card. If they flip it around, their name's on one side and then on the other side it's words of wisdom or tell us what you think, that sort of thing. Number five. That was so loud, only dogs could hear it. Number five is... I, I adore all of these creative ways to get your guests to do all the work for you. What do I mean by that? I mean all these fantastic ideas of bars. When I say bars, one example is a champagne bar, a bubbly bar, where you are asking your guests to perhaps mix their own bellinis champagne cocktails. Perhaps you're providing a number of mixes so they can choose their own flavors. Now, before you do this, you must talk to your venue because some venues have restrictions about guests mixing alcohol, which is a bit bizarro because that's what we do when we order a drink, but it might be a restriction on the service of alcohol and who can serve it. So do check before you get your heart set on one of these amazing looking bars and uh, then they say, no, you can't do it. There are so many variations of this this topic, this theme. It doesn't have to be alcohol. We have waffle bars where you can add your own waffle toppings. So they the venue makes the waffles and then you you just decorate. Yum! Donut bars, lots of different flavors. Donuts look great, and because you can add coloured icing to them as well, they're really easy and quite inexpensive way to team with your theme make it happen with the colors. You can order them from a standard donut place. You don't have to go to some sort of gourmet bakery. You do whatever you want. You could go to Dunkin' Donuts and say, hello, we want 87 yellow donuts or yellow with a blue stripe. Whatever you've got here, whatever you options you want to have, it's a really inexpensive way. And people love donuts. I mean, even healthy people love donuts. I love donuts. If you put a donut in front of me, it's going in my face. You've also got taco bars or taco, whatever you want to say. It doesn't matter. It's just my accent. Cupcake bars. I did see a wedding where they asked people to decorate their own cupcakes. What you don't want it to turn into is craft afternoon. You don't want people in nice clothes with hands of icing. Maybe you do, but I think this starts to get a little crazy. And after a couple of drinks, it's when people begin to get messy. Perhaps the cupcakes end up where they shouldn't be. How about a boutique beer bar? I love the idea that you might be supporting local enterprises, local small breweries, and asking them to come in and install a couple of taps for the day. That's a really nice idea. A lot of guys and gals love specialty beers. So it's a bit of a special way to say we're not just serving the standard stuff. One common thing is the candy bar. I don't know. I feel like that's been done. You can do better than just a candy bar. Food truck, food truck weddings are very popular and i feel particularly buzzed about having an ice cream truck coming to a wedding <laughs> mainly that's because what's more joyous than hearing the ding 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 and then the guy comes along and serves you a soft serve maybe dipped in sherbet maybe dipped in chocolate i don't know there's probably a flake some sort of chocolate flake or something sticking out of the top That's a pretty tops way to end a wedding, having an ice cream truck come along and having everyone line up like children outside. Oh, gosh, that's magic. Really would be delightful. If you're on a tight budget or you've got really good family and friends that are great at cooking, I think it's a delightful thing to do is to ask close family and friends to bring one cake that's really special to them. Everyone has a a signature cake, and if you don't, you should find one now because You know, knowing you can whip up something really quickly that's great is very handy. So maybe you could ask them to bring a signature cake for your dessert table. Have some little signs made to say what they are and who made them. A lovely way to personalize your big day. What number are we up to, Alicia? I would say that is number six. Here's number six. Make or buy a wedding pinata. This was very popular a few years ago. I know that on Pinterest and etc. etc. there were heaps of pinatas around. I think just the idea of smashing the shit out of something on your wedding day, if you've been a bit stressed, whatever, and then being rained down upon with candy or sweets, how fun. I've saw lots of pictures. I'll link to them again in the blog of a big cake-shaped pinata, your initials, a big diamond ring made out of the paint pinata stuff. Also a hot air balloon. There's a day of the dead if you're into particularly skull creepy stuff, but colorful. Lots of nice ideas and a really fun game for everyone at the end of the night to stand around and smack something. I don't know. Again, not really any significance personally, but just fun. Seven, instead of a guest book, have you thought about the idea of getting all of your guests to take a Polaroid, maybe a selfie perhaps, and sign on the back, Again, maybe following back on to number four about collecting your words of wisdom from your guests, but perhaps you could ask them to write something on the back of it and then pin them up pin the photos up with some pegs perhaps at the venue so you can obviously keep track of everyone and it's a really great way if you don't have a photographer staying for the whole wedding reception it's a nice way to make sure that everyone is photographed on the day and they've also written you a lovely little message have a Polaroid station perhaps. I think it's nice to print the photo and if you print the photo on the spot you're never going to put it off because trust me after the wedding finishes sometimes you go I don't really want to do wedding stuff anymore I'm finished with it for a while so if you've got the Polaroid camera there people are taking a Polaroid photo they hang it up and you make sure everyone's been photographed by the end of the day. Perhaps give it to someone as a bit of a job to chase up the people that haven't attach their photograph to the special wall of photographs on the end of the evening. That would be a nice way to capture everyone without uh, missing people out because I know at our wedding there are a couple of people that we haven't got photographs of and photographs with us with them. So it would be nice to look back on that in the future. Number eight. I love this idea and that is creating whether it be in your book of maybe you've got a program a ceremony program or a book of service if you are going into some sort of religious scenario perhaps you could add a fun page of frequently asked questions about you as a couple and you as individuals because Not all of your guests will know you as well as some of the other guests, or not all of your guests will know all the quirky little fun details about your relationship, such as, here's an example, if Rich and I were to get married again tomorrow, we would put in our frequently asked questions, although most of our friends know the answer to this, would be, where did you meet? We met on Facebook. Random. Yes. If it was about me, I would say, I have some sort of weird phobia about oranges, the fruit. I do not like them. I don't like the smell. I don't like the taste. I have extreme problems with oranges. That's something a lot of people wouldn't know about me. It's stupid and who cares, but it's also fun. If people are waiting, (laughs) waiting for you to walk down the aisle and they may be a little bit bored or hot or don't want to talk to the person next to them, it's a fun little thing to read to get them into the mood to celebrate who you are as an individual and as a couple. The other way you can also do it is on the back of a menu. If you are going fancy and having a menu printed for your table, you could also put it on the actual behind the the table number if that floats your boat as well, or as an addition to the wedding invitation if you want to do it prior to it. Again, sometimes I read these things and they feel a little self-indulgent, so try not to make them too wanky. That's my advice to you, do it, be fun, but don't do 40 of these things. Do you like how I'm advising you? I've created this list, but then I'm saying, but don't do too much. Don't do too much. Very fine line. Very fine line. Now, number nine, I am very passionate about encouraging you not to spend your money on useless crap, such as favors, if you're just giving someone a favor For the sake of it because you want to have something pretty on the table and in the end favors can cost you a lot of money if you think about having a hundred people at a wedding and you're spending four or five dollars on sugared almonds or monogram chocolates or i've been to weddings where people have given beer coolers stubbies we call them in australia with uh, monogram names on the outside i mean this is just stuff you're probably never going to use again or as I've said before, people get drunk and then you go, oh, eat the chocolate, oh, eat the almonds. It's gone in two seconds. So I'm always asking brides and grooms, I'm always saying to be considerate about your budget. If it is a concern to you, perhaps it favors. it's a favor that they're coming to your wedding and you're getting married and you're giving them a free meal. So saying that, if you have 4 or $5 that you would like to spend or even less on favors for people. And you don't want to go the route of just buying some sort of substandard piece of plastic crap that you just put on the the counter and then someone chucks out when they get home. Have you considered books? Books to me are really important. I remember moments in my life from what I was reading and books impact my obviously learning and opinions of the world and stories. I'm not just talking, I'm talking about non-fiction and fiction here, but I know as a couple, Rich and I have read a number of books at the same time, or or we've said, oh, you've got to read this one. I just read it. It was amazing. And you might have noticed if you go to my blog, the show notes that I'm always talking about, I try and do a book recommendation at the end of each post because I love reading and I love sharing the magic of books. I think we don't read enough these days and... Also, as an author, I know that the value of someone recommending a book to someone is is really powerful as well. Now, as a side note, and I've said this before, if you do buy something via my website and you click on an Amazon link, I'm an Amazon affiliate, which means if you buy something, I get about six cents <laughs> from that sale. So that's a disclosure from me to you. I can guarantee you it's not very much money, but I appreciate it. Saying that, going back to books, I have been thinking about the idea of collecting a book that is really important to you as a couple and giving it to your guests. Now, I'm not saying you go on Amazon and you buy 120 copies of new books. There are ways and means of going about this, and it can be a little consuming finding books, but... If you connect with a bookseller, a second hand bookseller, I'm not talking about someone who deals in antique books, I mean just your standard charity shop, secondhand dealer, you might be able to ask them to put aside a certain book. Now, I think it would be pretty magic to turn up as a guest at a wedding and to see a copy of a book that has really changed the couple's life or has made a deep impact in their lives sitting on the table instead of some bonbonieri I just think that would be pretty magic to take home something, perhaps with a personalized bookmark or a little book sticker. Remember those book stickers you stick inside saying, this is Alicia's book. Now, I think the beautiful thing about this idea, and I don't know if anyone's going to do it. I don't know if anyone's done it. I'm probably not the first one to think of this, is that if you hunt down copies of this same book, lots of different versions would be out there. Perhaps you're going for something like a Penguin book. I love those orange Penguin classics. They're something you could buy. They're five bucks each. You could buy a hundred copies of those. And I think it's a much more worthwhile investment of your time and money, giving people books and sharing the magic of reading. I feel like there'd be a really easy way to get hold of a secondhand wholesaler that could find you a bunch of the same book. And also, I like the charm of them not having the same covers. Number 10, how about the idea of tucking in a little handwritten note or card into each of your guests' napkins or under their seating card or cutlery to say, Hey, thanks for coming. Your friendship means a lot to me because remember the time that you held my hair when I vomited because I had 17 tequila shots? BFFs for Evs, or something more significant than a tequila vomiting story. You get the gist. Decloning is personalizing. It's adding little touches that no one else would be able to do because only you know your guests the way that you do. And if you take the time to add these little touches, I trust me, it will be memorable for them. They will come back saying, remember that little card that Alicia added about the vomiting and the tequila? It was really magic. Number 11 comes from a personal experience and I can't claim this because my bridesmaids came up with this themselves and probably came up with it from Pinterest or somewhere else. I don't know, they're geniuses but who knows. They gave me a wonderful cookbook for my present, for my hen's day, for my bachelorette and the cookbook was all of their favorite recipes and they had a page each and a photograph of them with me and why this recipe was significant. So some of them listed recipes that we would cooked together or we'd eaten at a restaurant together and they had made the recipe themselves. My lovely friend Julia put her famous tomato pasta sauce recipe in which is superb and I've used it hundreds of times. Never done it as well as she has but every time I cook these recipes now I think of them. And it's a way that I have this connection with them every time I use the recipe book. So, taking that as an example of perhaps again something you could give as a favor is maybe you could create a small recipe book about three or four or maybe five recipes that you cook together as a couple, or perhaps your signature dishes, because every member of a partnership, everyone should be cooking by the way, cooking's amazing. And as a side note to the side note, if you have a guy, if you're engaged to a guy, I don't want to be, there are lots of girls that don't cook as well, but a lot of men are very anti cooking. I don't understand because food is life and cooking is so satisfying when you know how to do it. So perhaps as an engagement present or a wedding present, brides to be's out there, you could purchase your fiance a cooking lesson that they might enjoy. So many out there. Anyway, I digress. By using a program like Canva, canva.com, C-A-N-V-A. It is a super easy online graphic design, absolutely free. You don't have to pay anything. You can upload your photos and do graphic design in seconds and make it look really good. By using a program such as Canva, you can create a gorgeous looking small cookbook, maybe an A5, that you can have printed very inexpensively and placed as a favor on the table for each guest. I think that is a really easy, inexpensive, personalized, fun way to connect with your guests and not spend a mozza on rubbish. That sounded very teacher tone at the end, but that's how passionately I feel about you not wasting your money on things that people don't want or then chuck out and then it goes in the rubbish to some landfill or out into the sea. Environmental Consequences. Of your wedding. Think about it. Right, that's my list of 11 ways to declone your wedding. I hope you found it helpful. I really enjoyed putting them together, and honestly, I could have done 22 ways, and I will do another episode just like this because every day I go through literally hundreds of wedding blogs looking for great new guests and ideas to talk about, and each day I am astounded by. Couples' creativity, wedding planners, designers, and creative people's ways to make these weddings impactful and amazing and unique. It's modern day Alicia here from the future. Actually, the present. And uh, I just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. And if you're a new listener to the Bride Chiller podcast, we have brand new episodes coming out every Monday that will help you plan your wedding without losing your shit. If you have not yet joined our Facebook group, The Bride Chiller Community, I would highly recommend popping over, clicking join and getting to know some of the fellow bride chillers all over the world, and also sharing all of your stuff. We have conversations that are open, honest, and real, and that sounded wanky, but I mean, really, it's one of those places where you can go and really talk about whatever you want, especially if it's to do with weddings and <laughs> without judgment and fear of dickhead retribution. So that's the bride chiller community. Also, very excited that in the next week or uh, I am going to open the pre order process for the Bride Chiller Guide and the Bride Chiller Feel Guide. They are my two new books that we have been working our asses off to get you <laughs> in the new year. The launch special will be a pack. It's the two books and a special Happy Days tote bag. And that will be uh, retailing for $50, even Stephen, plus postage and handling. So be on the lookout for that. Also, I have a competition running for people that pre-order. I've got a Bridechiller Beauty Pack, which is a tote bag full of some amazing stuff. Like a lot of beauty stuff that I really like. And uh, I'd like to give that to you if you pre-ordered the book. And uh, you might get that as well books will be shipped in late February early March I'm hoping earlier in February but it depends on how fast they drive those boats (laughs) okay keep a lookout in the uh, Bridechiller community Facebook page and Twitter I will put out an announcement about uh, the launch of the pre-order and also some more information if you're interested in purchasing further down the track that's absolutely cool Thank you again also to the people in the Chiller community. I put a call out last week saying, does anyone have any suggestions of topics and episodes that they'd like me to cover in the first half of this year? Because I'm doing my big plan, my big episode plan at the moment, and I didn't want to miss out on areas that you would like to hear about. And there were some fantastic suggestions that I will 100% take on board. And Erica and I will be looking for interesting people to talk to me about those things. So if you have a suggestion, maybe you missed out on that post and you're like, I don't think she's covered this, or I'd like a rehash of this, or I'd like a different perspective, please do send me a a message on Facebook or uh, say it in the community, find the post, or send me an email. All those options, absolutely fine. Okay, until next Monday, thank you so much for listening. I hope you are having a happy new year if you're listening to this in real time. And of course, happy days. The Bridechillo Podcast, the only place a cookie cutter should be used, is in the kitchen. Am I right?